Good morning, good morning. Great to see such a friendly congregation. So grateful, so grateful. I just, I, I love, I love to see those connections. You know, every, every gesture of kindness uh, uh, makes a difference in this world. So this is good stuff. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Brad Kindle. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, I want to point to uh, a couple different things before we move into the teaching thing. One, just shameless plug. Um, I cannot tell you how beautiful the homework helpers ministry is. If you want to see the kingdom of God at work, Go to one of the homework helpers' days and and see this all come together. It is magnificent, and you will grow in being a part of it. So, shameless plug there. Uh, also, um, you have you have grace for me, right? And the and the leadership here at, at Faith Covenant Church. See, part of your growth as a disciple of Jesus is you come to learn that you have to have grace for everyone in your life, which means you always have to forgive me. <laughs> And the leadership of this church. That's part of your job. If you look uh, in your worship folder, it says all volunteer training, new date and time. I know we changed the all volunteer training for the new space upstairs once already. We're going to change it again. And you're going to forgive because that's just the grace-filled people you are. This, the new training is happening November 18th, which is a Sunday from 4 to 6. It'll be a free dinner that night. The reason we're changing it is because some of the things that need to be in place for just to do the training are just not in place yet. So hang tight. Uh, please, please RSVP again, even if you RSVP'd before. The second thing I want you to take note of is I just want you to watch this particular um, video and see if you can find the Star Wars character in it, all right?
My message this morning is entitled, How Han Solo Used the Force to Help an Amish Community Build a Barn. <laughs> Does anyone know uh, what, what movie that's from? Witness, yes, great movie, late 80s, uh, back in the day when uh, Harrison Ford was a bit of a younger man. Uh, The reason we showed that is because what happens when an Amish community needs to build a barn is everyone from the community comes together and helps get the barn vertical. We are in the home stretch of our upstairs renovation, and so what we need in this home stretch is we need the members of the community to come together and volunteer their time and effort to do the final touches we need to get this barn vertical, which means we have all kinds of cleaning that needs to happen upstairs. We have all kinds of painting that still needs to be done. There are all kinds of ways everyone in this room can help. If you want to help, there's a digital sign-up you can find on the city, our online platform. But If you want to make it really simple, you can actually just walk outside these doors today and someone will hand you a pen and there will be a sign-up sheet. You can take that pen, you can put it to the paper, you can sign your name and boom, you will be a part of being Amish and helping us raise the barn. All right? So please, if you could help us out, that would be great. Let's pray before we head into our teaching. Lord, we are grateful for the opportunity to grow more deeply in our relationship with you and in our relationship with each other. God, we're so grateful that the the community of Christ, the body of Christ worldwide is worshiping you right now, and your Holy Spirit is present in these local churches all over the world, uh, growing us and shaping us, conforming us more into the likeness of Christ. We pray now, Lord, that you would take your word and our gathering, and you would open us up so we would know more uh, intimately what it means to follow you and be loved by you and to love others well. In your name we pray, amen. We will be doing Q&A this morning, so if you have a question, you can text that question to that number, and that will happen right after the message. Please text me all kinds of great questions. Also, if you would like to take this message and either personally or with your small group go the next step in diving deeper into this particular message, uh, we have on the website uh, where you find the audio versions of the message, uh, there is a grow guide that will uh, you can use in your small group or in your own personal devotion. So uh, please check that out. Today we are continuing our series Prayer Life, Faith Covenant Church exists to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus from generation to generation. And one of the things that uh, disciples of Jesus do is we pray. We actually have a team here at Faith Covenant Church called Prayer Builders, and that team exists to help us uh, find a strategic way to encourage and build the life of prayer within our congregation. And prayer, prayer builders has a mission. That it's, you'll see it on the screen. Prayer builders exist to lead people into a life of prayer in Jesus' name through example, teaching, and experience. And one of the things we're doing right now is we're in a sermon series on prayer, and that's part of the, the teaching part of fulfilling that mission. Why in the world do we pray? Well, we pray because we worship a God who is present, who is loving, who wants to speak with us, and who wants us to speak to Him. This is a very knowable 
God. And so we pray not just to go through the religious duties of a Christian. We pray to know a living God. And uh, so we're in this journey. Last week, I made a statement that is, is helpful to today as well. Uh, the statement was this. The nature of a relationship determines the communication in the relationship. The nature of a relationship determines the communication in the, rela- in the relationship. Uh, example, we uh, don't talk to our spouse or our parents the way we talk to our boss. Uh, we don't talk to our mechanic the way we would to a small child. The nature of those relationships are different, and so the way we communicate in those relationships is different. And last week, we talked about the nature of our relationship with God, and we discovered that we, uh, God has done everything in God's power to um, create a pathway for a very intimate relationship and communication with Him. And uh, we specifically looked at three different things through the Trinity. We said we pray through the Son, by the Spirit, to our Abba Father. And if you weren't here, please catch that particular message online because I think it will be very edifying for your relationship with God and your prayer life with God so you know how intimate this relationship is designed to be. Today, what I, as we talk about the nature of this relationship, what I want to do is I want to talk about the actual words that we use in the relationship. And to get there, we're going to look at John 15. If you would, grab a Bible, grab your phone. John 15, we're actually going to do verses 4 through 8. So when you get there, uh, stand there, stand with me, and I will read it. John 15, 4 through 8. Here we go. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you... Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You may be seated. Now, where I want to camp in those verses is actual, actually just one verse, verse 7. You'll see it on the screen. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And where I want to camp And that particular verse is that phrase, and my words remain in you. Now, I don't know about you, but I've I've encountered this particular text in John 15 numerous different places in my life. And I've never spent a lot of time until just recently uh, with this particular phrase. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And my words remain in you. What is the significance here? Well, according to Jesus... His words are actually very important to our asking and God's answering. So the words of Jesus are very important to my prayer life as I go to the Father in prayer. Now, why in the world 
would that be? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons, but I think one, of the, one great way to understand this is to understand the relationship between a master and a student, between a student and a teacher. And this is the relationship disciples have with Jesus. Disciples are apprentices of Jesus. We are students. We are learners of Jesus. If you put it in the context of uh, maybe a a student-teacher relationship, let's say I took up golf, all right? If I took up golf and I uh, went to a golf pro once a week to learn how to play golf, I would learn certain words that would be very important to the communication in that master-student relationship. I would learn words like putter and bogey and birdie, words I still don't fully understand. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, but those words would help center that relationship on the task of the relationship. The words are very important. Or put a different way, let's say you decided to take up the violin. And you went to the concert master of the Minnesota Orchestra to take violin lessons. Oh, my goodness. That's quite a master-student relationship. Well, in that relationship, you would learn certain words that would be very important to the growth of that relationship and you being able to fulfill what your task is in this relationship. For example, you would learn that the word pitch is maybe not so much about baseball, but it's about a musical note and that note you're supposed to find the very center of on this instrument. Or you might, you, you might learn that in this relationship, the word bow isn't really about bow and arrow. It's about a long stick uh, with some horse hair on it that you drag across some strings and that will make some music. This isn't in your notes. If you're a note taker, write this down because it should be. Uh, The words of the master change the words we use with the master. I'll say it again. The words of the master change the way we use we use, change the words we use with the master, all right? Now, put in the context of our prayer life, we could say, first of all, disciples of Jesus apprentice themselves to his words. Christians are not just religious people. Christians are literally Christ ones. We are the apprentices of Jesus, the master, now, if you look at the passage we read, we're going to see different, uh, we're going to see the, the use of the word remain. Some of your Bibles will use the word abide. Uh, the text I used, used uh, remain. Look at how this, this plays out here. In verse, verse 4, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. So Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, we remain in each other. Okay, uh, Jesus says, verse 5, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So this relationship where we remain in the vine is going to bear something. It's going to bear some fruit. But then he says, verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 7, I think, helps us understand what it means to practically remain in Jesus. It's practically, the way we practically remain in Jesus is we let his words be paramount in this relationship. 
And when that happens, when, his, when he is in us and his words remain in us and we remain in him by making, being apprentices of his words, then what is born out of our lives is fruit, a deeper love of God and a deeper love of others. Why does Jesus want you to apprentice yourself to his words? Well, we could say because the words we speak are most influenced by the words we hear. Right? And there's a reason most people in the room speak English. The reason is most of the words we hear are English. <laughs> it's not brain surgery. The words we hear have a profound effect on us. Now, words are cultural. Linguists discover this in cultures, okay? Um, the words a culture uses is specific to help understand what is going on in the culture and what are the different folk foci foci of that culture case in point when i was growing up in phoenix i never heard the word walleye musky bratwurst or ufta <laughs> i i never heard those words so i never used those words it wasn't part of my culture or my community if you were to come to phoenix let's say you winter in phoenix this uh winter um, let me just let you know some, some, the proper way to say some words. Uh, it's not acatillo. It's acatillo. It's not tortilla. It's tortilla. And it, the big uh, cactus with the arms, the big green one, it's not saguaro. It's saguaro. All right? I know that because I grew up in that community. I grew up in that culture, and that culture helped me use certain words in a way we could communicate effectively. The words we speak are most influenced by the words we hear. So if we're going to be in conversation with God, we should let his words be the primary words that form that communication. All right? So question, what influence has Jesus' word had on your prayer life? Or, and or, what influence would you like them to have? This is not to say you just can't, you know, anyone on the face of the planet can't just throw a prayer up to God and say, God, please help me in whatever words they want. But once you come to know someone more intimately, then you begin to use the words that, are, that, that that person uses to help form the relationship. Jill and I use specific words that are different than the words I use with people on staff here at Faith Covenant Church, or you, because her words help me understand the way she would like me to communicate to her. Okay? Secondly, disciples of Jesus trust the authority of his words. It's not uncommon to hear people say that Jesus is a good teacher. I would agree Jesus is a good teacher. Good, probably not the best adjective there. Uh, I think we would say Jesus is a great teacher. But the reality is there are all kinds of good teachers all over the world. And most of those good teachers don't really have any authority in my life or your life, right? In the first chapter of Mark, we read that Jesus is uh, he's with the disciples and he goes to a synagogue in Capernaum. And look at what Mark writes. Well, you won't see it. I'll read it. Mark writes, verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. 
taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Now, the teachers of the law had the law, and they had the other rabbinic resources in the history of their people to decide what might be true. Most teachers, even really great teachers, are are referring to some higher authority to make their teaching credible. Okay, that's what I'm doing right now. This is, this is not all born out of me. I'm referring to a higher authority. Jesus is the highest authority. Jesus never had to footnote his teachings and say, well, I got this from so-and-so and this person over here. You know, Jesus uh, never said, well, I read in a commentary once and you might find this helpful. No, Jesus spoke as one who didn't need to refer to other authorities because he's the authority's authority. If you would... Uh, Read with me a very popular verse in our culture here at Faith Covenant. Uh, this is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Let's read it together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Very important uh, passage for our life, uh, making disciples who make disciples. In that passage, what did we learn? Well, we learned that Jesus is the authority over North America, but nothing else. Well, no, of course not. Uh, Jesus is not just the authority of North America and the Western Hemisphere, (laughs) Jesus is not just the authority of, uh, uh, of, you know, your job or some section of society. No, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to one dude. (laughs) He is the king of kings. He is the authority of all authorities. How much authority? All authority. And since all authority has been been given to Christ, what does he say? So all authority has been given to me. So what I want you to do is I want you to go make learners of of me because I have all the authority. And what what should I teach? What do I want you to teach them? I want you to teach them everything. All the words I've used to teach you, all the actions. I want you to teach them everything. And I want you to teach them to obey all that. All the words, all the Jesus words are what? need to be taught to make disciples, teaching them his words. If we're going to create a a, a curriculum for making disciples, we start with the Jesus words, don't we? And what this means is apprentices of Jesus, we don't welcome Jesus just as a kind of a silent partner in our relationship with him in the church and outside the church. No, when, when Jesus takes hold of our lives, we make his words And his commands, the paramount law of our life over all other authorities, over all other words. This is why Jesus says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. It sounds like legalism, but it's not at all. This is the way we just do relationships. You know, when my relationship with Jill, you know, she has... She has things in this relationship that that have to happen in this relationship. And I have things in the relationship that have to happen. And we have to obey these things in the relationship for the relationship to stay healthy. If we're going to love God, 
We have to obey His commands. And you say, well, no one could do it perfectly. We know that. The good news of the gospel is God knows we don't have to. So he's created grace and salvation, so we don't have to have it figured out all the time. But the Jesus' words are words to obey. We're to obey everything that he has commanded. That's how you make disciples of Jesus. And this is really, really a great gift for all of eternity, but it's really a great gift during an election season. Yeah, if I may, I'll be a little provocative here just to wake you up. Um, If Jesus' words have authority over you, then when your political party does something against Jesus' words, then you get to say, wait, that's not right. Because Jesus is the authority. Or if the other side does something right, does something within Jesus' words, you get to say, that's right even though it's the other side. Isn't that beautiful? But what I see too often in Christians is their political party has authority over their words. All the time. So they end up calling what's wrong, right. And what's right, wrong. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to say, you know what, I'm not really a Republican or a Democrat. I belong to the body politic, the church. And he's the one who has the authority. So that's good, absolutely. Uh-uh, even though you're on my side, that's totally wrong. That's sinful. We can't do that. Well, that's our side. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I might vote with you, but my fundamental identity is not Republican or Democrat. My fundamental identity is Christ one. And his words have authority in my life. I like what the 19th century pastor Andrew Murray says. He says, what God's words are to me is the test of what he himself is to me. Think of it this way. Research says you will speak today about 7,000 words, but you will hear between 20 and 30,000 words. Those words that you're hearing, they're going to affect the way you talk. They will even affect the way you pray. If you give all those other words authority over your words, more than the word of God, then you're going to pray like someone who doesn't really believe Jesus has authority over your words. We have to trust that his disciples of Jesus let Jesus' words have the authority over all other words. Thirdly, disciples of Jesus seek the living word. Now, the scriptures do some interesting things with the word word. All right. Um, in, in the, if you go to the first chapter of Genesis, in the beginning, God spoke and a creation was created. In the, uh, in the Gospel of John, um, Jesus is referred to as the living word, and in him, new creation begins. Okay. In fact, let's read this together. Uh, look what John, the writer of this passage, does with the word word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, before the birth of Jesus, God's people only had God's written word, the law, the prophets, the wisdom literature. But in Jesus, that word comes to life. Jesus is the word with flesh on it. And in that living word, God reveals himself 
to us. How much does he reveal himself to us? Read this with me, Hebrews 1.3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Think about this. What do an author's words say about the author? An author uses words to communicate intent, ideas, to communicate direction for the reader. God has spoken his living word, the Son, the exact representation of his being, so we know what the author's intent is for all of life. So we're not just seeking a, a, some written words. We're, we look at the written words, so we're point to the live, pointed to the living word, the word with flesh on it. How do we do this, though? I'll wrap things up this way. Let's get really practical. That was big, theological, heady stuff. Let's get really practical. How, how do we make Jesus' words our authority? How do we our, apprentice ourselves to him? Well, we've we got to get his word in here. It's very simple. Okay, uh, let's just, uh, I'll just give you some suggestions. Here's one. Plan when you will read his word. Not brain surgery, but it's like anything. If I fail, fail to plan, I plan to fail. Um, I can hope in all my heart that I'm going to exercise tomorrow. But if I don't have a plan to exercise tomorrow, chances are I'm probably not going to exercise. You have to plan when you're going to read. Jill and I made a commitment when we got married that it, it seems, might seem a little strange to you. We said we wanted to start every day before our heat, feet hit the floor. We wanted to be in God's word to, to just orient our lives. And so I get up at 5 a.m. Awesome. So at 5 a.m. the alarm goes off. I, I nudge Jill and uh, we take my phone and we listen to a passage of God's word. Now we encounter it different uh, other times during the day. But every day we start and we say, we're apprenticing ourselves to his word. His word has authority, even though we're both very tired. And then we pray together, and then our feet hit the floor. Actually, sometimes one of us stays in bed. But you get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and sometimes that's me. Um, we, we have a plan, okay? We know when it's going to happen. So you have to have a plan. Secondly, you have to decide what you will read. And, and this is just to help you, to help us not be random, okay? You can say, well, I'm going to read one passage from Genesis, the next time I'm going to read something from Acts, and then I'm going to read something from Leviticus. And you're going to get lost. You're going to get discouraged if you do it that way, okay? Uh, what I would recommend, uh, I, I would make a decision, okay? I want to um, maybe study a topic. So um, I'm going to look, find all the different passages that I can read and study on peace with God. Or um, I want to know more about um, the way the nation of Israel was born. So I'm going to study the book of Genesis. I'm going to read through it, study it, and then read through the book of Exodus. Okay, there are all different types of ways you can do it. I, I'd suggest, though, you not you know, do this all the time because the Bible is a narrative and there is some method to the madness in the way it's put together. Thirdly, I would say maybe some next level is memorize what you read. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in our faith update every week and in your worship folder on the back page, there is a Bible memorization challenge, okay? So 52 weeks in a year, we've given 52 verses to challenge you to memorize. Getting these words in here will help you as you move through life, know, apprentice yourselves to what uh, God's words and God's intent 
is for you. Lastly, I will say this. Uh, interpret in community. I have a friend, read the Bible when he was in his 20s, became a Christian, but he hates the church. And so the, the rest of his life, the next three, four decades, he has just read the Bible all by himself. And so when you talk to him, he sounds like someone who's been interpreting the scriptures in a cave for 30 plus years because he hasn't spent a lot of time encountering the questions other people ask of the text or listening to the answers that other people have from the text. It's all been kind of this feedback loop in his own interpretation. The Bible was written to the community of God, not just to you as individuals. And while individual study is helpful, we have to study together too, because iron sharpens iron. You're going to have a great thought that I didn't have, and I might have something that might be helpful, all right? And so interpreting in community, in a small group, in an alpha group, um, sitting down with a couple of people regularly to read the scriptures together, all of that will be helpful as we apprentice ourselves to his words. All right? Let's pause there for Q&A and unpack a little bit more of that in regards to any questions you might have of this text. Tone's going to help me out. If you're new to Faith Covenant Church, we do this quite a bit. And... I always reserve the right to be wrong. Ooh. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, this is a good one. <laughs> you okay, Brad? <laughs> if you see your brother or sister focusing their identity on political affiliation instead of Christ, how do you lovingly call them out on that in these highly charged times? I think it's, it's very simple. I really do. I think... Um, it's, uh, you, you, you take, um, one, uh, do it with both sides. So let's say, um, uh, let's, I, I got to tread lightly here, but, um, it's not that simple. yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but I, I think maybe you start with, okay, so let's, let's say you, uh, a particular topic is brought up, um, I'll go, I'll go there. Uh, immigration, okay? Well, how about the two of us sit down and look at what the Bible says about immigration? How, well, how we treat um, people new to a, uh, the community of God. What, let, let's just look at that together. Because what I'm reading is it says this, and what I'm hearing you say doesn't seem to abide by God's word. So how do we... Let's look at the text together, okay? Um, if... Uh, and you could... Maybe you start with, um, that's interesting you say that. You know, I, I saw um, the other side do, the, do this thing the other day, and boy, that just seems outside of God's word. Do, do you agree with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw our side do this thing that you're talking about. That seems to go against God's words too, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's, it's okay to say, yeah. I, I see what maybe where you're trying to go, but it seems to me that's against the word of God. And I don't know, start there. That's great. This is a really good follow-up to that. Okay. So how can so many Christians and people in general read the same words of Jesus and come to such different conclusions? <clears throat> Very easy. <laughs> um, you're all going to go home and remember something about this message, hopefully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it might be different depending upon your context. Okay, um, the other thing I would say is uh, the word of God 
is the truths you're going to encounter in the Word of God are never going to be uh, encapsulated by the, uh, the one paragraph that you might write on a particular truth, okay? So you take, like, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All right, well, what's that mean? Well, we, I, could, I could spend the next 10 years writing about what that means. And so it means not just one thing I can put in a sentence, okay? It means a lot of things. It's like saying um, uh, Brad is uh, the pastor at Faith Covenant Church, and that is the extent of who he is. Well, no, there's, there's a lot more to be had there, okay? And so as we can, as, as, let's say there are 200 people in this room right now, and you all come to know Tone, okay? You all have different experiences with her. Let's say you go on a journey with Tone over 20 years. You're hanging out with her all the time. You're going to this experience of 20 years. You're all going to discover different things about Tone, okay? But they're all not going to be the exact same all the time. That's the way it is. God is far bigger than all of us, okay? He has revealed himself through his written word, through his created order. He's revealed himself in the church, and um, he's given us what we need to know. But God, we're going to constantly learn more about God forever because the well is so deep, all right? But the essentials he has given us so we, don't, we can at least get to where he wants us to get not just for eternity, but for tomorrow. Okay, so what have you found helpful in planning what you will read? Let's take this in two ways. Can I just As, say one more thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, same. I'm just thinking, go back to that tone illustration. So we walk with tone for 20 years, and we come to know her really well, and then someone says, uh, uh, tone is a, um, a Labrador retriever. Well... <laughs> Just because we all interpret a little different doesn't mean that most of us get to go, well, yeah, she can be a Labrador Retriever too. <laughs> no, we, we know her. We know she's not a Labrador Retriever, okay? So while we might have different interpretations, when something's clearly not true, then that is untrue. Thank you. That's really good. Thank well, I don't know. And now we know I am not a Labrador, not a Labrador retriever. retriever. Very helpful. All right, so... <laughs> This uh, next one here, what have you found helpful in planning what you will read? Let's take this from maybe someone who is new to the faith mm -hmm. and maybe someone who's seasoned. Let me ask you, Tone. <gasps> when you came to Christ later in life, yeah. what, how did, how, what did you do? Um, well, I was 11, and so my youth leader and slash my brother-in-law, who was also a youth pastor, was very influential mm -hmm. in that. Um, so I would find myself, honestly... Um, I am kind of a nerd <laughs> from birth, I think. And so I would just read the Bible mm -hmm. from cover to cover when okay. I was younger. That didn't seem very helpful. Well, it probably was. Um, but as I got older, mm -hmm. I found community was really helpful with that. Okay. Um, so um, I TV did... show? No, but okay. also very funny. Uh -huh. uh, yes. Um, <laughs> this is not endorsement for a community. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I am discipled by a couple of women here at the church, and we did a study through well-watered women. Okay. Which you love to say. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, um, we did that together, and I found that very helpful. And after, after doing a study with people, I realized, oh, okay, I can do this on my own. So mm -hmm. then I just started, I, I love Instagram, so I realized through social media, um, there are a lot of great suggestions on there through mm -hmm. well-watered women, and so I just do whatever they're doing. Okay. Um, Along with all that, I would say, think about uh, it, starting with the Jesus part. 
okay? Start with the Gospel of John, maybe, or maybe the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four tellings of the life and ministry of Jesus. You want to apprentice yourself to Jesus? Start in knowing about the life and ministry of Jesus. And then from there, you can always just contact us here at the church. We can point you in some great directions um, and uh, join Alpha. <laughs> How about one more, and then we'll be yeah. done? Yeah. Okay, so this is in quotes. Maybe it'd be helpful if you looked you know, at you it. You know what? Can I? Let's see. Yeah, I thought the last part of it was good. Okay, no, this is good. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. What if I ask, and it isn't given to me? The answer is usually about timing or the request itself being what God wants for us. Is this scripture up to interpretation? Um, well, all scriptures up to interpretation. Uh, the, the reality is what is true in the scripture uh, is known from the author's perspective, not the interpreter's perspective. So we'll start, start there. Um, the, the other thing I would say is, uh, this, uh, this was used in Alpha the other day. Um, so my six-year-old child comes to me and says, uh, Dad, I want to drive home from church today. Okay, if, if I say no to that, first of all, it's in my will that my child will one day drive home from church, <laughs> okay? Um, if I say no to that, it doesn't mean never, it just means not yet. And I think God, as Billy Graham once said, I, I, I'm very thankful that God didn't answer all of my requests because if, if he had, I would have gotten in big, big trouble. I would say the same, the same thing is true. God answers us. Uh, according to what he knows we need and what his created order needs. And so, and I think his answers are perfect. So we get to trust the answers. Sometimes are yes, sometimes are maybe, sometimes are no. And a loving parent doesn't always say yes, okay? I think, I will say, with this particular text, though, it's helpful because when we, because I know my dear wife Jill so well, um, there are certain things I just wouldn't ask because I know her and I know the things she says. And so her words have affected the way I would ask and what I would ask for because I know her. And so if, because I know her, if I ask something according to her will, she'll say yes because she loves me, okay? Um, it's not that simple, but at least we'll start there. <laughs> All right, thank you, Tone. Why don't we pray and, and we'll be done? What, I think what would be good is, is to end with the disciples' prayer, okay, which is what we often call the Lord's Prayer. So uh, if we're going to apprentice ourselves to Jesus, let's, let's use his, his prayer for the disciples. Um, and uh, sometimes people use debts, sometimes people use sins, sometimes people use trespasses. We're going to use debts today, all right? So uh, if, if you don't know this, that's fine. Just listen along and pray along with us. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Those words are his words for us to help us learn what it is to communicate with God. 
If you have a prayer need, we're going to have people over there. 